BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, Guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. My name is Sophie and I am the producer and creator of Mommy and Me Vietnamese. And both Jennifer and I are the daughters of Peheja Productions, which is a Vietnamese American children's music production company that was very popular in the 90s. And now we want to continue our parents' work of uh, promoting, preserving the Vietnamese culture in the U.S. as well as around the world. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over. So first off, I want to thank you both uh, for coming on the show. And uh, Sophie, I want to thank you especially for making all the introductions in the past uh, few years since I got started. We've known each other for a long time, but uh, most uh, special was the introduction you did that I was able to sit down with your mom and dad to hear the, about their history and starting Tejaya. We all had sat in a second interview and I still have it, hadn't had a chance to release it. So here we are just with the two of you today. So this is a very special time for me. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. And, you know, I would have to give you credit for interviewing my parents because I, a lot of people do ask to interview them and they always say no, but you just have that magic in you that makes them want to say yes. And I'm very thankful for that because you are, um, your podcast, it's one of the only things that preserves their story. And, um, you know, they have an amazing story and they're just so shy about doing interviews, but you made them feel comfortable and you like, made them feel like it was a chance for them to honor their legacy. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. So now um, I know this is going to be a lot of Sophie, but we're going to try to figure out how Jennifer plays in because uh, Jennifer does play a big part of the production uh, that you do, Sophie. So will you both uh, take turns telling me about uh, what you both do with Mommy Me? I'll introduce Jennifer because it's easier to 
talk about someone else than talk about yourself. But um, yeah, so Mommy and Me Vietnamese is a program that helps kids learn um, Vietnamese with their parents. So that's why it's called Mommy and Me. It's like uh, those Mommy and Me classes. And it's targeted to especially the very young uh, children, such as babies or toddler age. And it can even be useful to kids and even some adults who want to learn Vietnamese have told me that they've been learning from the program as well. A huge part of the program is the music. And um, I'm basically tone deaf. <laughs> <You're not. laughs> uh, um, but I'm very thankful that my sister got the music genes. And um, she is an amazing um, composer. She, like, um, each episode, she, like, either composes or writes the lyrics for the songs to make it very approachable for kids and a helpful way for kids to learn uh, Vietnamese. And uh, I'm just so thankful to have her on board. And she's uh, she edits her portion of it and she sings very well too. And I've even had comments from viewers that says, well, um, Go Pho, which is Jennifer's um, stage name for Mommy and Me because when we grew up, when she grew up, we always call her pho, Jenny Fa. So she's uh, Go Fa, and a lot of people say, "Wow, Go Fa is so good. She should be a Paris by Night singer." So, so I'm just very thankful to have uh, Go Fa part of uh, Mommy and Me Vietnamese. I know she's young and she probably wants to do fun things like go out and not like do you know all the parenting stuff, but she's she's very helpful. I mean, it's a great way for me to not only be closer to my culture, but also be closer to my family because Sophie does a really great job. She continues to study Vietnamese and she does emceeing and like all of the stuff in the community. But I feel like I haven't really put like time into that yet. So honestly, my Vietnamese, I haven't practiced a lot growing up ever since I was little. So nowadays I write the songs all in Vietnamese and I think some of it sounds kind of funny. So I send it to my parents. I send it to Sophie to like correct it. And my dad helps me with the music. So it does help me like feel closer to my culture and with my family as well. And then of course, Mommy and Vietnamese is about learning Vietnamese with your kids. But like as a first time aunt, my niece is like everything to me. So being able to see her grow up through these videos is so incredible. Like we were just watching it last night. And I was looking at Aria, Sophie's daughter, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's only been like three months and she's grown up so much. So yeah, it's it's a really, I feel really honored that Sophie has let me on into this project. And um, personally for me, music has always been really important. I've always written songs. Um, back when I didn't have any money and I was like, you know, still in high school, I would always write um, songs for my sister, for my mom and my dad um, for like gifts. But you know, now that I have this new outlet, this new creative outlet where I get to create songs and Vietnamese for kids, it's just so much fun and it's really exciting for me. You know, I uh, can't help but think about the two of you being um, born in the United States and why do we why do we care so much about about Thon, about protecting our culture and, you know, in essence, bringing it down to the third generation. Why is that so important for you too? Yeah, so for me, I think my cultural identity is so important to me just because growing up, I think it's like being so close to my culture has really 
um, help me feel confident in who I am as an, as an entire person. So like all of these different parts of us um, really, you know, unite to create who we are. And so personally, just having that knowledge, that education, um, and that like cultural closeness has really helped me be confident in all areas of my life. And I just think that's a really great opportunity for kids in future generations when you know, like, culture does get diluted. Um, so like giving them the tools and access to their culture, I think that's really important. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I feel the same way, you know, as we grow older, we look back at our heritage and our community and see what connects us. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, the Vietnamese podcast is so popular is because a lot of people, there comes a time in their life when they're just like, wow, I, I really like to connect with other people with the same heritage as me. Um, and by that time, a lot of people struggle because, um, uh, language is a huge part of being able to connect with someone and and learning from um, firsthand. Yeah. Oh, everything okay? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, on top of that, um, for me personally, to um, you know, I've grown up. Both Jennifer and I have grown up in a household where um, Vietnamese and entertainment and um, you know, helping others learn Vietnamese is such a big part of our lives. You know, it's a family owned company. And a lot of times, um, we would, Jennifer and I would be a part of the production. Um, so since we were like tiny, tiny, we've been on set and a lot of times those sets have been in our living rooms. Um, you know, we were in charge of practicing the, the songs, creating the dance moves, um, doing all the, um, all the costumes and everything. So it was such a big part of our lives. And when my parents' company went bankrupt due to um, piracy, it was a really big heartbreaking moment for our family to kind of clean out our store that was in Futlopta, uh for the last time. And for me personally, I just thought, you know, there's just so much, um, there's so much, uh, what do you call it? Um, treasures in my parents' productions. They have so many programs that are now not released to the world. People keep asking to buy them, but we don't sell them anymore. You know, I have control of a lot of that. And I wanted to continue to bring that to the world um, however I can. And on top of that, it's the experience that both Jennifer and I have of uh, working with kids. And working with kids is not as easy as working with adults because with kids you can't motivate them or tell them to do something that they don't want to do you know when, when you work with an adult actor and you say okay you got to do this or else you're fired or you got to do this or else we're not going to pay you right if you tell a, a kid or a baby like okay um you got to perform this song or else we're not going to pay you the baby's like i don't care because i don't pay rent you know so <laughs> So it's, it's very hard to work with kids. And um, we also don't, we also don't want to pressure any kids to be doing anything that they don't want to do. So a lot of times, you know, with my own daughter, we film something and then she just says no, or she just doesn't feel like it. And we just turn off the lights and we just go home and we just try again another day. So it's very, it's very difficult to work with kids. And, you know, both Jennifer and I have that experience. So we want to continue to bring that to the world as well.
You know, I was just going to ask you uh, when you started to talk uh, right after Jennifer, I was just thinking about that very thing. I'm like, I was born into a very devout and heavy Catholic family, and it turned me off tremendously growing up. And even now into my old age, I get shell shocked thinking about I have PTSD thinking about the way I was raised. They want to become a, me to become a priest. We like locked off our whole life. It was it was just very traumatic and i think about the two of you and i'm like your parents were like the cradle of this sort of culture for the vietnamese families that were coming of age in the 90s you know like uh kids that were your age and a little bit younger that were coming up and being around it that much did it ever turn you off because it obviously didn't but did it ever come across your mind like this is too much you know, um, personally, I felt like it was very fun um, participating in the programs. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of kids, they stay home and they don't get to see their parents much. But both Jennifer and I, <clears throat> both Jennifer and I, we were able to be around our parents and get involved in what they do. And I mean, how many kids can say that? They had they got a budget where they can just go to a toy store and buy all the toys that they wanted and come home and then perform with it and sing and dance and have their friends over. And, you know, like it was so much fun uh, for me growing up. Um, and I think that that's something that I want to especially continue with uh, my kids and as, as well as the future kids that are involved with Mommy and Me Vietnamese is I think the core of everything is just having fun. You know, like we're not here to you know, like, make kids learn Vietnamese, we just want to create a resource for parents. And we want to create an opportunity for kids to have fun while learning Vietnamese, because that's, that's how you actually will want to learn something. I think the, the most important thing is to want to learn it. But if you are forced to learn Vietnamese, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we were forced into religion and that was a very difficult. So that's a good point that you bring up. Now, how do you come up with uh, each sketch, each episode? So um, I found that learning Vietnamese, the most important part is about using it, applying it and practicing it. So I based my um, episodes off of what my daughter can use at this very moment. Um, so that's why I think the most standard thing for you to assume that a, a, a channel would start off with is the ABCs, the one, two, threes, colors, farm animals. Those are the basic children's stuff. But if you can see, none of my episodes cover those topics because those are honestly not the things that a, a baby might use at the moment. They might use words like I need to, they not, might need uh, they might need to use words like milk or um, up or they might want to point to their nose, their head, you know. So uh, we cover baby sign language. We cover family members. We cover um, body parts. Uh, we cover food. Uh, which is important to, you know, uh, kids. So we actually, all each episode, it's actually practical Vietnamese words that parents and babies can use right away. 
And later on, when Arya does understand the concept of colors or understands the concept of numbers, then we will approach that probably around next year. And, you know, this is a two-part <laughs> question, one for Jennifer first, and then Sophie, for you. The first question is, is there a science to the repetitive nature of a jingle for kids? Uh, and then for Sophie, is there a science to a repetitive nature or however you kind of construct a, an episode uh, for the kid or the baby to learn? So it's sort of like the same thing, but one's for the music question and the other's for the actual uh, content question. Yeah, there is like definitely a science behind music and especially the kind of like melodies of music. But um, I think repetition is the most important. And then um, for my music for Vietnamese music, it's actually very different because I always like write songs in English, right? And then you can follow a certain melody, a um, certain structure. But in Vietnamese, we have the tone. So it goes up, down, question mark, you know, the yongnang. So like, it actually changes a lot how I write between English and Vietnamese. And I actually just recently wrote a song in Vietnamese first and then translated it into English. And I was like, wow, it does actually sound Vietnamese when you even when you sing it in English. So it's definitely like a learning curve to write in Vietnamese, but it's also kind of writes itself. Like the Vietnamese language is very musical as is. So yeah, just adding repetition to that definitely helps. Yeah, and just adding to what Jennifer said, you know, um, music is definitely very important for uh, brain development. I've read some um, studies where people who have had uh, brain damage or someone who has dementia, they might not be able to remember things, but they're able to remember things when they hear music or they're able to sing or clap along. Um, and so that is a really big indicator that music um, plays an extremely important role in uh, the development of the brain, especially for children. Um, now for my question, yeah, I think repetition is extremely important, especially with uh, little babies. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember, but when I was little and probably for you yourself too, Kenneth, um, I was able to watch the same video or the same like movie yeah. or Disney movie or whatever. I can watch it like a hundred times and I wouldn't get bored of it. And it came to a part, a point where we would like memorize it. Yep. So especially with kids, um, it's so important for them to have repetition. And that's why I, you know, um, suggest to parents that if they do like their kids watch mommy and me to like, let them watch it over and over again um, so that they can like learn about the words and the concept that we are exploring in that episode. You know, it really uh, sucks when I think about how little exposure we as kids born uh, to Vietnamese parents uh, here in America, how little really uh, of the vocabulary or the culture that we're really able to 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 comprehend or suck up um, into our consciousness because we're not around it the way people in Vietnam are growing up, kids in Vietnam. We're not, you know, we're growing up around a lot of English stimulation. So we are not picking up the words the same. And I know that your episodes focus, because I, I let my kids watch it during dinner time so they can learn the Vietnamese, but I find it to be, uh, it, it satisfies the dinner time, sort of like my mom is like, make sure that they're watching Vietnamese content. But at the same time, what can we do more um, to 
inundate their minds with more Vietnamese because that's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, um, so you can definitely, you know, one of the most important things is to read to your child a lot. Um, and I think this is a struggle, especially for parents who don't know how to read in Vietnamese. Um, so once again, like if you don't know how to read Vietnamese, then you can find resources online of people reading uh, Vietnamese or um, even on our YouTube channel, um, non mommy and me related clips, uh, we have a whole series of I think 150 different bedtime stories for kids um, that is read in Vietnamese and it has the words too. So kids can see along and it has some pictures. Um, so yeah, so on our YouTube page, there is um, actually more than a thousand videos, I think a thousand and a hundred or a thousand two hundred videos. Um, and that stuff is from my parents' uh, generation. Um, so I didn't want to lose that. So we uploaded a lot of stuff on YouTube. A lot of people ask us, oh, you know, like, where can we buy? Hey, yeah, well, you, you can actually watch it for free on YouTube now. But other than, you know, just watching YouTube or uh, on screen time, um, there's, first of all, there's community groups that your kids can be in. Um, they have like dance groups, they have choir, they have um they have scouts a lot of activities for your kids so that they are um surrounded by a community that is actually speaking Vietnamese to them and another great thing that I am actually looking forward to uh, signing my daughter up to is dual immersion of Vietnamese learning programs um and you know I I don't I'm not sure if in your area they have those programs but in Garden Grove Anaheim area they do have those programs and it's basically you're learning English and Vietnamese at the same time at school with all subjects, you know, and I think that makes a lot of sense to me because you can't learn English 100% of the time at school and then go to Vietnamese class one hour on the yeah. weekend and then expect to be equal. There's oh, no way to drop in the bucket. Yeah, exactly. So I, I find that amazing. And a lot of, you know, some parents are thinking, oh, this is, um, how can they catch up to all the other kids who are learning 100% English? But to me, I believe that children have the ability to learn up to seven languages yeah. at once easily. They can soak it up like a sponge. And if anything, being bilingual helps their brain develop um, in a uh, both ma mathematical, like it, it helps both their right side of the brain and their left side of the brain uh, develop. Um, and, you know, if you think about it around the world, there are students, um, in Asia, in Europe that are learning multiple languages at once at school and they are okay, if not even better. So I think, I think, uh, the dual immersion program is really great. Yeah. Uh, they have a Mandarin one here up in LA where I live, but, you know, I, I, I look at both of you again. I think about your mom and dad because I know them and I know how well they speak English. And obviously I know how well you two probably speak Vietnamese because of the family. And But we are surrounded by friends. When you analyze their communication with their parents, maybe 30% is getting through to each other. You ever think about that? Like being in Orange County, it's sad, not just Orange County, but like all over the United States where you witness parents like in their 70s talking to their kids in their 40s, where there's like very little communication, like endearing, like real, like 
feelings of mom, dad, this is what I'm feeling. This is how I think about you. This is what I am going through. There's probably like 70, 80% of it lost entirely. If you think about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a language barrier, but then there's also the cultural barrier of like sharing yeah. your actual feelings. Right. So it's definitely difficult. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad situation I think about quite often. And even I think with like your family and my family, we are probably doing the best that we can because our parents both speak English and Vietnamese and we do it well enough where we can get probably close to 95%. But for a lot of families, the parents don't speak English at all and the kids don't speak Vietnamese at all. And it's like a whole like, there's this big differential that, that happens. And I, it pains me when I think about that because when you have children, you realize you know, it's nice to be able to fully communicate your heart, mind, and soul to this baby, this kid. And when they get a little older, um, being able to communicate with them how you feel about life and what you're sharing in movies and stuff like that is a bonus. Yeah, definitely. Um, language is, uh, it plays a very important part in this. And actually, um, I went to a funeral a few years ago and one of the kids walked up and he said i wish i knew how to speak Vietnamese so that i can have a conversation i could have known my grandfather and it was too late now and when i heard that i was just like oh my gosh like it's it's really really sad how um you know that kid didn't have the chance and i'm sure a lot of kids might not have the chance to connect with their grandparents and and their grandparents are just filled with amazing stories and history that we can learn from. Um, you know, of course, there's a cultural aspect of it mm -hmm. as well. Um, but I think the door to walk through that is um, to learn the language. And I think just in general, learning a different language helps you become a better um, empathizer because you are now exposed to double the amount of words that you know, um, and you can see things from different perspectives and you're just more open to learning more. Yeah. And and I had a guest on um, recently and we talked about this whole idea of like um, internal self uh, racism, right? Like we think of dating someone in our own culture as something that is like like we're not oh, ill that we're not attracted to to that right like there's a lot of people like that. i was like that for the first 32 years of my life i i i had this internalized you know racial system in my mind like i'm not dating anybody who looks like my mom ew that's gross but that comes from i think this disconnect of not speaking Vietnamese well enough, not being inside the culture and appreciating and loving me and the beauty and all of the things that surround what makes us Vietnamese. But you two don't go through that. I've kind of watched you guys grow up and I don't see that at all. Uh, Sophie, you're married to a beautiful man, a handsome <laughs> specimen of a Vietnamese man. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone describe Brian as a beautiful man, but he is though, Jennifer. You, yeah, he's a he's a handsome man. He is the unbiased uh, fact. Yeah, yeah, he's a handsome man. So I don't think that I don't I don't know if you two uh, have that, but I can imagine being uh, so close to the language sort of is a buffer that allows it. And anybody listening in the Midwest or the East Coast who are not around Vietnamese people, this is not a put down. It's just an observation that through my entire life, I, I just see it over and over and over again. 
I mean, absolutely. You hear things growing up, especially about the language specifically, how it doesn't sound beautiful, or, you know, um, you hear things about your own culture. And when you're younger, you kind of like, you kind of like, oh, that's just how it is, right? But I think the closer you are to your culture and the more proud you are of your culture, the quicker in your own mind you can change that narrative and be like, oh, that's that person's opinion, you know, and I have my own opinion. So it's basically just already confirmed inside of you. Yep. So true. Sophie, were you going to say something? Um, well, I mean, personally, for me, I have always um, been more attracted to uh, someone, you know, a, a Vietnamese man, uh, because I guess since I was little, I have always really embraced and loved my culture. And I just love connecting with other people in that way. Even though sometimes, um, you know, when I was dating Brian, I was like, are you a white guy? Because yeah. he did he didn't really know much about the Vietnamese culture, but it was still um, it was it was still a great chance for me to um, you know, share uh, with him about Vietnamese culture. Like he never really celebrated that or anything. So you know, it was a great chance for me to um, connect with him in that way. Um, but you know, this is not you know for or against uh, dating someone of your own culture, but it's it's mainly about you know. Um, being open to uh, connecting with someone and and not just saying, oh, I won't date that person because they're Vietnamese, you know, but like, I, I think uh, Vietnamese men need loving too. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I think, um, I think that the main thing is just kind of being accepting of yourself and your own culture and, um, you know, loving your heritage in a way that it doesn't turn you off just because someone's yeah. enemies. This episode is brought to you by Songkai Distillery, my only go-to gin company. Established in 2018, Songkai Distillery is Vietnam's first gin distillery founded by Daniel Nguyen, a Vietnamese American from Southern California. No matter how many people I have at my parties, we are always pouring Songkai gin. Songkai gin is handcrafted in small batches and prioritizes using botanicals and ingredients that are native and heirloom to Vietnam. The result is a product uniquely Vietnamese in taste and aroma. Songkai is now growing to include rice wine and traditional Vietnamese herbal liqueurs similar to Amaro. Songkai prides itself in Vietnam from the farmers who grow the fruits and herbs to the artists behind the artwork and design. Songkai is a community effort of people who are proud to be Vietnamese and collectively embody the spirit of Vietnam. Now, now speaking of loving your own culture and heritage, how much love or hate do you get from Vietnam as a program that you are creating, you know, in the comment section, how is it being received uh, in Vietnam? And I'm just curious because I can imagine parents like me loving and adoring what you do here, but I'm wondering what is it like for uh, the audience in Vietnam? Is that something that you you even pay attention to? You know, I'm actually surprised um, because I, you know, obviously haven't been, I, I wasn't born or raised in Vietnam. And so uh, the level of uh, Vietnamese that I am teaching is more geared towards the Vietnamese American here and, um, I work on my pronunciation a lot, but sometimes it's not perfect. Um, but I get a lot of comments from people in Vietnam that says, oh my God, her voice is so cute. 
or, and I'm just like, what? Like, I'm so surprised by that. Um, you know, sometimes they hear uh, a little bit of, I guess, an American accent when I speak Vietnamese and they actually like it. And, um, you know, it's also a great program for people in Vietnam to learn English as well. So it's kind of like a dual purpose program. Oh, that's good news. I'm glad to hear that. I, I, I can't imagine, but no, no, it's, it's, it, I can't imagine, but it, it's so foreign to me, this idea that our English accent in Vietnamese, you know, cause I think of it for me as like, it sounds really goofy, you know, it doesn't sound appealing at all, but I, I'm glad to hear that. That's a, a really, um, cause you know, I get comments like, you don't speak Vietnamese well, but you have a lot of vocabulary, but you know, this is something that I get. And I feel embarrassed by it. I feel actually ashamed by the fact that, you know, my Vietnamese, the pronunciation is not like locked in. Yeah, it's yeah, okay. Like You're great. Yeah, I feel like even just speaking Vietnamese and practicing it, like I know my pronunciation is not perfect, but I am proud that I know it and I practice it, so. Yeah. Do you both ever uh, sit and think about what the like the fourth, the fifth generation, because you guys are directly in line for this question, right? Like what is the fifth generation of Vietnamese Americans or diasporic Vietnamese going to look like? Do you think we're going to be like the Japanese where they're just fully integrated into American society and most of them, a lot of them don't practice any of their Japanese cultural other than probably eating sushi? Right. Is that do you think that's going to happen to to our community? Um, well, I think we're really lucky where we have centers like Little Saigon and like such big communities focused in areas. So, I mean, my hope is that people still continue to learn Vietnamese and practice Vietnamese and pass that down. And I know that like when I was younger, I think a lot of people my age didn't really care about speaking the language. But as we grow up, I think more and more people um, are interested and do find um, they do want to preserve it. And actually, a lot of the people I know, I don't, I don't know a lot of people with kids yet, but a lot of my friends my age actually tell me they're like, we watch Mommy and Me Vietnamese too. Like we're learning. Like, oh my, my friend's husband or fiance's family is Vietnamese, and she doesn't know any, so she watches it. So she's like, I can maybe keep up with the family when they're talking. So, you know, I feel like it is becoming more and more important. Yeah. I and for me, I I can't speak on everyone as like as a whole, but there's definitely different types of people. <clears throat> Jennifer really hit it on the nose where when Jennifer and I we were growing up, uh, we were like one of the few people who were very involved with um the Vietnamese community and speaking Vietnamese and doing these shows and stuff. Um, but now in this next generation of little kids, I there's so many performance groups. There's so many um, kids who are, you know, practicing and speaking Vietnamese. And when I hear them, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were so much better than me when I was your age, you know? So I think the reason for that is um, I made a little video about this on my uh, Instagram, but in my opinion, I believe that the second generation Vietnamese American wants to learn English, uh, Vietnamese even more than the first generation. Because I think the first generation was so focused yeah. on, on Vietnamese and trying to assimilate. And as a second generation Vietnamese, we have already, you know, English is not an issue for us. And, you know, I think a lot of Vietnamese, uh, second generation Vietnamese Americans, they have felt what it 
it feels like to feel disconnected. They feel, you know, that they wish that they learned, they knew Vietnamese, they wish that their parents tried harder. And so for the third generation, the second generation is actually trying harder to teach their kids Vietnamese. You know, before it was like, don't speak Vietnamese at home, you got to be perfect in English. But now a lot of parents are like trying to incorporate Vietnamese in their kids daily lives. And, um, you know, even though the parents, <clears throat> sorry, even though the parents of the second generation, they don't, they might not know as much Vietnamese as the first generation. But again, what's really important is the want. And because of that want, that's why Jennifer and I wanted to create Mommy and Me Vietnamese because we wanted to offer resources for parents. We cannot teach the kids ourselves, but we want to just be available as a tool for kids to watch along with the parents and then the parents to use th those words in their daily lives. A lot of the a lot of times, like the parents, they remember like, oh, yeah, there were some nursery rhymes, but I don't remember what they were. So that's why Jennifer and I, we are re-singing re those nursery rhymes. We are creating new ones so that parents can learn it or be reminded about them. And then the kids can um, sing them. And hopefully, you know, this will this tool or this resource will help um, people for the next generations. And um, of course, it's inevitable, like, you know, the Japanese community where like a lot of, you know, Japanese people are not connected with their culture. But at the same time, I do see a, a want in our community and I'm, I feel very optimistic about it. Speaking I completely agree. Oh, sorry. Jennifer, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I completely agree because growing up in high school and college, there's organizations where you can, you know, join other people who are Vietnamese, but I'm almost seeing, I don't know if Renaissance is the right word, but almost like a new like wave of right. new like clubs, new groups where there's even more like diversified, like um, I'm in one where it's, for people who are just creatives and there's like food groups and there's just so many different types of before it was just like, Oh, I'm Vietnamese. And now there's all of these different diverse groups that are really specific. And it almost feels like we're kind of reclaiming what it means to be Vietnamese and celebrating um, this new narrative that we have. Which club are you talking about? Cause I was literally going to bring up the whole VCC, the Viet creative. Yeah. I was just going to, yeah, I mean, I was so excited when I, I heard about it and they're doing such a great job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shout out to um, Katie and uh, Julie and all those uh, people over at uh, Viet Creative. The, um, the question that I was leading into was, you know, having this club, right? These young people's clubs and everything like that. Do like when we think of like ourselves and put contextually into the eyes of the, the Vietnamese in Vietnam, do we ever, because this is a question that I have all the time. I'm like, how much, you know, uh, of Vietnamese culture am I getting right? Or is it just a brand new branch of being Vietnamese, right? That And that leads me into the question of what does it mean to be Vietnamese to each of you? Jennifer? Um, I might have blinked out when you were talking. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? Yes, I. So yeah, with the idea of the the Vietnamese culture groups, like Vietnamese creatives, and you know, I always think like in my brain, like I'm a different branch of Vietnamese, but there is no monolith. There's no answer to being Vietnamese anywhere. Even in Vietnam, there's like a whole spectrum of like different ways of doing things. There's like 
many foods in Vietnam people don't eat because they're just they they think it's nasty like durian or tikan. So there's no way one way to to be Vietnamese. And in that spirit, I was going to ask both of you, what does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? Got it. I mean, to me, being Vietnamese is just like celebrating my culture and understanding my heritage. Um, it is a complicated question just because like coming here as like, I don't know if we're 1.5 or second generation, but just I know my parents' relationship with Vietnam is like sometimes a little bit more complicated. So I think growing up, Vietnam felt very far away and like you couldn't really like touch it from here when they first came to the U.S. So I think why it was so important for them to start was to kind of preserve that memory of their version of Vietnam, of their history here in the U.S. So it does feel a little different, but I think as we, um, as time goes on, we do feel closer to the culture, both in Vietnam and then being a Vietnamese American. Um, yeah, but for me, like being Vietnamese is just knowing who I am. It's just part of my identity. And there's so many different ways to to kind of celebrate that, whether that's through music, um, through our food. I think food is my number one thing where like if I don't have nook mum for like a week, I just go insane. Like I always have to have a dish with nook mum in it. And like, yeah, there's just so many different ways to celebrate who you are. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, no, being, I, I guess like being Vietnamese or a certain heritage or culture, there's so many complexities to it. So um, it's hard to just answer right off like what makes you Vietnamese. Um, but for me, even though I, you know, really emphasize on learning Vietnamese, but I don't think that you have to speak Vietnamese to be Vietnamese. Um, I just believe that um, you know, you are Vietnamese biologically if you are Vietnamese. Um, and we just want to provide a tool for people who are Vietnamese and who want to explore more about their culture. You know, you don't need to learn Vietnamese to learn about culture, but it definitely helps because Vietnamese, the language and language in general is so important in reflecting uh, what is important in that culture. So, for example, in Vietnamese, there's the word thương, which I named my daughter thương because that word is so unique. Um, there's no word that is uh, in English that is equal to thương. You can say you can say like or love, something in between like and love, but it's actually so much deeper than that that can't be really be expressed. And so that just shows um, that 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 uh, reveals to you like what is important to uh, Vietnamese people and that feeling that, you know, just can't be translated. Or um, in English, we would say you and I a lot, but in Vietnamese, that's the, you don't really say that unless someone is like your age, but you would like say like, go to back to man, you know? So Vietnamese, the Vietnamese culture is very um, dependent on relationships. Um, and I think that that is so beautiful as well, because you can you can talk to someone or talk about someone and people will know how that person is related to you. Um, and and uh, for me, I think that's very unique. So yeah. um, so that's why I think Vietnamese is uh, the language is very important to being Vietnamese. But again, it's not uh, required. Uh, but 
what I think is very important is um, just the want, just the want to learn um, and the want to or the ability to share about your culture to other people of non-Vietnamese culture. You know, if you're Vietnamese, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, since you're Vietnamese, can you tell me where it's good to eat or something, you know? So it's it's good to know those things and be able to share it with people and inform people about your culture so that um, more people can understand and appreciate the Vietnamese heritage. You're- Anything to add? Oh. Go ahead, Sorry, Jay. I was just going to say, and to add to that, I mean, we've been talking a lot about um, being prideful of being Vietnamese and kind of like, you know, um, and our relationship to ourselves. And I just think the more we want to learn about our own culture and our own identity, that's just you investing in time for yourself. You're just saying, I'm important enough to learn about. And I think our identity is so important in our acceptance of ourselves. So just being open to learning about your culture is just a self-reflection of how open you are to yourself. That's a beautiful thought. Now, your parents have a a ton of episodes, a ton of content that is um, perhaps not locked in a vault, but it's sitting um, in the cloud somewhere. And do you, uh, are you at the point in your sort of your journey where you are trying to bring it all together or separate it? Like what happens now? Like, is this an evolution of Tehejaya? Like where does this uh, vaulted uh, content, where does it exist? Yeah. So it's, um, it's a combination of what you just said. Uh, we do want to uh, re-release what our parents have created, but we also want to grow on that because this next generation um, has different tastes and they have different um, parents are just looking for different things. Um, so with my parents vault, there are some um, uh, legal reasons why we can't re- uh, re-release them. Um, and it's because when it was created in the nineties, you know, a lot of the content was actually created before the internet. Um, so the, the concept of YouTube is not covered, um, in the contract actually. So, so what, what happens is that, um, a lot of my parents' content, they own their rights for around the world outside of Vietnam, but, um, for Vietnam, then another company owns it. So it, it, it just gets very complicated legally. So that's why a lot of, our, our most popular content um, may not be available on our YouTube page. But, you know, I, I, I struggled many years with trying to figure that out. Um, and YouTube isn't a, um, I wouldn't say that it is a, a fair, like, courtroom. Uh, you know, if you dispute something like someone else took your stuff, um, it's just, it, it, it's not, there's no judge, basically. Yeah. So, so it gets very complicated. And so after many years of struggling with that um, and then becoming a mother myself, um, I realized that it was time for me and this next generation to continue to get content. And I think the most uh, important thing that uh, we, both Jennifer and I have, that cannot be taken away and that cannot be copyrighted is... Um, our experience with kids 
And, you know, both Jennifer and I have been teaching kids Vietnamese since we were kids ourselves. You know, Jennifer has been working with kids and she was like five and I've been, you know, teaching kids since I was like 10 or 12. And so that is something unique about us that no one can take away. And that's why we wanted to continue Mommy and Me Vietnamese. I have a crazy question about somebody who's existing in this space of kids and education that is a phenomenon. And I want to hear you both help me break it down um, because you are both in this space. This character Blippi is killing it. Why is he so successful with children? Um, Jennifer, do you know Blippi? Oh, oh, no, sorry. I was shaking my head. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I figured because I'm, I'm the mom here and I, I watch a lot of uh, different shows uh, with my daughter as also as research as to what they really like so that I can also offer that in uh, Vietnamese. So I think the unique thing about Blippi is that he acts like he is a toddler or kid and it's just so easy for kids to connect with him and his awe of the world of just like, wow, what's over here, kids? Or you're like, wow, look, a slide, let's go down, you know? Like, I guess like a normal adult wouldn't be talking, speaking that way. But like with with kids, when you speak at a certain tone or you you emphasize certain things, um, they just feel really connected with you. And they just feel like you're a kid, too, and that you can play along with them, too. So, you know, Blippi is definitely one of the people that um, I am watching to see, you know, what's what's so unique and why is he worth 80 million dollars? <laughs> You know, so, uh, you know, along with Miss uh, Blippi and then Miss Rachel and, you know, I do watch some, you know, Cocomelon and I, I do research and I just want to see what like kids are into because, you know, along with wanting to help kids learn Vietnamese, we just got to go along with the times and we got to see what is available to them in English and why do they like it so much and then offer them something similar in uh, Vietnamese so that they can still get what they want and learn Vietnamese as well. You know, that's a really interesting point. And Jennifer, if you're not familiar with uh, Blippi, um, Sophie nailed it uh, when she said that he acts like a child and kids can relate to that sort of high pitched, uh, like strange, like toddler uh, curiosity. And we don't have that person i don't think do we in the vietnamese space uh somebody so large and if they were doing it in english that would be such i mean in vietnamese but from an american perspective that would be such a huge draw because what i would do to have uh, my kids uh watch mommy and me but have that sort of that what you said that angle that he has um you know to just really draw them in they're just so addicted my kids are so addicted to Blippi and I I never really thought about why, but it makes perfect sense what you said, Sophie. It's like that character. And you know, now he has like another duplicate of him, some guy who does exactly what he does. And it's mind blowing how he's uh, monetized that second character, which is really, you can't even tell that, you know, if you're a kid, you don't really think about that. That's a copy of Blippi. This is mind blowing yeah. genius stuff. It's, it's definitely a, a need 
Um, I believe that, um, you know, eventually we will get there. Either I will do it or someone else will do it. Brian will um, do it. <laughs> yeah, Brian. <laughs> um, you know, but like, you know, I, I have gotten some, like very few comments, but I've gotten comments with like, oh, why is your voice so high when you speak on mommy and me, even and me? It's like, well, actually, I'm not really speaking for the, for, for you. I'm speaking for the kids and kids. Um, it's called parent teeth and kids are very, um, are very, uh, connected or they, they, they feel like they can understand parent teeth better. It can, it, it clicks with them more. Um, and so when I speak in mommy and me, I don't really use that much of a high voice because that just wouldn't be authentically me. Um, but I do speak in a higher voice. I speak slow so that they can hear me and they can hear the pronunciation in time. Um, and so if, if anyone's wondering like, why does their voice kind of sound different on mommy and me, Vietnamese? And that's, that's one of the reasons, you know, Miss Rachel and Blippi does it. Um, that's just one of the tones or sounds that kids like to hear. And they're able to um, learn better when they hear something that they, they can connect to. Thank you so much for connecting today. This is the fourth time, uh, Sophie, that we've, uh, <laughs> right, third, fourth time that we've sat. Uh, and so, you know, it's great that we have Jennifer here today to have shared, uh, you know, the journey with you. Thank you both for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. And before we go, I just uh, want to say that um, I am not the only mama in this space to be doing what I'm doing. Um, there's a lot of, you know, when I created Mommy, Me, Vietnamese, it gave me an opportunity to connect with other mamas who have the same yearning as me. And I'm sure a lot of mamas have the same yearning of helping their kids learn Vietnamese. And so there's mamas who created, they couldn't find board books. So, you know, they created board books, they created puzzles, games, dolls, you know, all in the Vietnamese space. So we have like uh, Gemma's library, we have Hello to Jiao uh, flashcards, we have little bean toy chests, like felt books. We have Joey's dolls, uh, you know, Asian American dolls. Um, and, you know, I would also really like to thank um, Aoyai by Cute Sass, who provides the Aoyai for me every episode. Um, because I just, I, I just feel like kids should see Aoyais outside of set time too, as kind of like an everyday um, modern wear, because if they went to school in Vietnam, they would see a teacher wear Aoyai all the time. And so that's why I'm, you know, whenever I appear appear to kids, I'm always wearing Aoyai so that they can feel connected uh, to the culture and they can see how beautiful an Aoyai is. So once again, thank you to Aoyai by Cute Sass. Um, recently, we have connected with a music producer who is helping us produce uh, our music so that it's better quality content uh, for kids and that they can feel more attracted or like more uh, connected to the songs. And um, my parents have also been helping out a lot by helping us record, uh, babysitting Aria whenever we're working on stuff. Um, and most importantly, I wanna thank, well, second to last is Brian, who is a big support. And most importantly, I just wanna thank you, Jennifer, because, you know, I would feel so, alone doing this by myself but I'm really thankful to have a little sister who is my best friend and who can you know this is a great chance for us to bond but as well as like do something for the greater good together 
Yeah. And just as, as your little sister, I'm so glad to have someone who's like such a great leader and such a visionary. So I can just come along and I'm just like writing my little songs behind you. But I got you. <laughs> it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful union. And I can, I've witnessed firsthand over the years, you know, your, the closeness of how your family's done it. And I'm, you know, it's, it's a, um, in Vietnamese, we call it it's a, it's a good example of how, Vietnamese families, uh, when they stick together, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful product. You know, it's something that's where we should all be very proud of when we see that sort of um, that that sticky factor that Vietnamese families have. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that a lot of um, people our age uh, talk about how, you know, they've grown up in a toxic family relationship or environment. And I think if anything, that just encourages all of us to uh, create better um, environments for our children and, and the next generation. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that, you know, um, we learn and, uh, you know, with you as well, you, you mentioned that you, you had a lot of struggles growing up, but I think from that, uh, our children are lucky if we are aware of our situation and if we are aware of our actions, our children's will be the benefactor of that. Absolutely. Thanks again, Sophie and Jennifer. Thank you so much. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.